This is episode 44 of Everyday Wellness. Quit this, start winning with Lynn Marie Morsky. I'm Dr. Kelly Donahue, health psychologist and mind-body coach, here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, nurse practitioner and functional nutritionist. We have over 25 years of combined experience in health and wellness. Our goal here at Everyday Wellness is to share easy strategies to help as many people as possible become healthier. If you'd like to help us reach that goal, you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes. The process takes just a couple of minutes and helps listeners like you who are looking for high-quality health and wellness podcasts find us. We are so grateful that you are here. And now, let's get started. Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. Good morning. We're really excited to have Lynn Marie Morsky here with us this morning. She is a quitting evangelist. She helps people quit anything that's no longer serving them, like jobs, relationships, or mindsets, through her book, Cut It Quitting by Design, and her podcast, Quit Happens, along with speaking and coaching. I love the quitting evangelist. She is also a board certified physician in family medicine and sports medicine, currently working at the VA. In addition, she is an attorney and former adjunct law professor. When not doctoring, lawyering, or preaching the gospel of strategic quitting, Lynn Marie can be found doing yoga, playing multiple musical instruments, and dancing like everyone's watching. You sound like a true Renaissance woman. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. You have achieved so much. It, it seems as if you've had a lot of non-quitting, kind of stick-to-it activities to be both a physician and an attorney, among other things. Can you tell us how you came to understand the value of quitting and how quitting has actually helped you to create what seems to be an amazing life that you have? Absolutely. I started making big quits at age 20. I wasn't a doctor or lawyer to start with. I was a multimedia designer and not a great one and not a happy one. And even though everything in my kind of type A, you have chosen this field, you've gone on this path. I was even halfway through grad school in multimedia. Despite everything seeming like, okay, you've made this decision, stick with it. I knew I could not be miserable for the rest of my life. And I made a big quit and I started over and I went to medical school and that quit had served me so well. And and other smaller quits that I had made prior to that, that um, by the time it was about 2000, I think 2000 and somewhere 11, 12, 13, that I heard a podcast. It was a f- episode of Freakonomics and it was called The Upside of Quitting. And everything they were talking about there was exactly as I had always understood quitting, which is like, there's an opportunity cost if you don't quit or that the sunk cost fallacy is a fallacy. I had never thought, oh, I've dedicated this much time or money to a thing that should keep me in it. That never made any sense. So all the ways that a lot of people kind of get caught up and have a difficulty quitting, they weren't 
issues that had ever stopped me from quitting. And so I started to realize not only is quitting as great, you know, now here's proof that the rest of society is now starting to talk about the fact that quitting is as useful as I thought it was, but I realized it was kind of my superpower. And I kept that in the back of my head so that at law school graduation, I was uh, giving a speech and they said, you know, okay, what do you want to talk about? And I was thinking, hmm, like what would be useful to pass along that most people don't talk about? And so I did my law school graduation speech on quitting because for me, if I hadn't quit, I wouldn't be a doctor lawyer. If I hadn't quit things like if, for example, I quit sports medicine, if I hadn't quit sports medicine, I wouldn't have been able to go to law school. Like I'm it's so clear looking back how many the the only reason I have so many things on my resume is because I've strategically quit anything that wasn't working for me. So I never got stuck in one thing. I was like, oh, this isn't working. Let's go try the next thing. And I never had a problem with that. And luckily, nobody in my life who had any influence, i.e. my parents, ever had a problem with that either. (laughs) They were like, do what makes you happy. You know, they just kind of trusted me thank goodness you know not that I'm not sure they would have stopped me or I would have let that stop me but it's never hurts to have some parental support for what seems like crazy things um so I just was able to look back and be like this has been so useful in my life I would love to help pass along this skill to others so I would love to hear a little bit more about what strategic quitting actually is and how does that differ from you know plain old quitting (laughs) plain old quitting I often equate with giving up And I think Mm -hmm. that's what society tends to do because they have that quitters never win, winners never quit thing that everybody always talks about. And I'm pretty sure that they mean giver uppers never win. Because if you look at society, uh, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg all quit Harvard, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that most of us would consider them winners in some, at least a business or technology aspect, right? So we know that quitters do win. Who doesn't win is is the giver uppers, right? Mm -hmm. So strategic quitting is different from giving up because giving up is like, all right, one day something was hard or for a few days it was a little hard and I'm done. Strategic quitting is when you have examined, asked your intuition, is this thing serving me anymore? And realized it is not serving you. And then strategically planned through, okay, what part of it isn't serving me? You don't up and quit everything. You don't just walk away and run away from your problems. You're like, okay, I know my there's something in my work that isn't working. I've pinpointed it's the commute. I'm going to find a way to strategically quit my commute, maybe by asking to do telework or you know just work from home a few days a week. And then you've gone through overcoming the fears related to quitting and you've prepared your logistics so that your health and your relationships and your finances are in order by the time you've made a quit so that you don't just up and quit and now you're suddenly homeless because you have no source of income. Or if you quit a relationship, suddenly you're super depressed because you haven't prepared for it. And then the last step in strategic quitting is making sure that you make the quit in the way that preserves relationships as best as possible and burns the fewest bridges. All of that's very different from like one day your job is hard and you just were like, I'm out, I'm giving up. I'm, I'm done, you know, or I'm, you'll probably say I'm quitting, but you put no thought into it. Then everybody's in a lurch. You let, you left the people you've, um, that you're working with, with a bad taste in their mouth. You may be in dire straits financially. So those are two different things. It's whether you just kind of up and it, quit or give up in a huff versus strategically planning out and realizing this thing isn't working for me and I need to move on to something that will serve me better, but I need to do it methodically. I love that. You know, I think that many of our listeners can really relate to that. I know personally for myself, I left clinical medicine three years ago. I'm a nurse practitioner and had done that for 16 years. And, you know, when the realization came that that was the right decision for me to make, even though my husband thought I was nuts, um, not, and not, not seriously, but just was kind of baffled uh, by the decision to kind of transition to being an entrepreneur. Um, it was one of the best decisions I ever made because it was so well thought out and executed. And, you know, I, I'd spent so much time 
uh, laboring over that. And, and I agree with you that there's a huge distinction between something that's thoughtfully considered and reviewed and examined and someone that just decides, you know, arbitrarily one day, it's just too hard. They're just not going to do X, Y, or Z anymore. Um, but I, I love that mindset. And I love the the terminology strategic quitting. I'll have to continue to utilize that in my, my verbiage moving forward. Thank you. I also love that you break it down. So it's not just like I'm quitting the whole thing. It's examining what portion of this is not serving me well. And how can I quit that and change that to something that will better serve me. Because I think as a psychologist, I see patterns that people get into. If they start quitting things and they don't examine what was going on, then that pattern just keeps continuing. Do do you see that too? Absolutely. Like the the, uh, proverbial, I've seen this so many times, I'm sure you have too, when people get kind of in a rut, they just up and leave their entire life. Like, okay, I'm leaving, I live in San Diego. I'm leaving San Diego, which means I'm leaving my job. I'm leaving my circle of friends, my support network. I'm leaving my city. And then I say, well, but you're bringing you with you. Like if you haven't stopped and examined what isn't (laughs) working, then that's just going to repeat in the next city that you move to. You can't run away from yourself and whatever maybe mindset issues might be causing. I mean, maybe the thing causing you grief is a mindset thing. It has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with the city you live in, nothing to do with the job you have, the relationships you have. And if you don't stop and examine that, well, that mindset's going to follow you. And so like you said, the exact same thing is going to repeat itself over. So the big part of strategic quitting, in addition to the steps that I just talked about, is after the quit, remark to yourself at least on what wasn't working so that you don't do it again. That's so valuable, so important that we can learn from those things and change them. Well, you know, if we think a little bit more about mindset in doing our research to understand more about you, you have described your family as living on the wrong side of the tracks. And I imagine that there was kind of a certain mindset that went along with that and that you indicated that your first quit was beneficial to you. That sort of continued things, but coming from that sort of background, it seems as if, you know, quitting something that was good would be contradictory to getting to moving forward. So I'm wondering if you can just tell us any more about how that mindset of quitting being a good thing has facilitated your success. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 
12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I have used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armra Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armra's colostrum strengthens immunity ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armrest colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. Well, I believe firmly that you can only be truly successful if you enjoy what you're doing. And I mean, we, we know the, the research, right? The big thing about how to achieve happiness is being in a flow state as much of the time as possible. And even though at the time of that, I did, there wasn't that verbiage put to it, I knew that, and, and by the way, this was not something that I necessarily consciously knew, but my body rejects the wrong situation very vividly. It, like I'm just very uncomfortable when situations are wrong, and it's very hard to be performing at your best. For example, in medicine, like Cynthia, this you you know this. This is really hard when you're in clinical practice and you are mm-hmm. not feeling your best. You're like, yeah. I'm super anxious. How do you then? bring your best treatment to a patient who deserves 100% of your best when Correct. you're so anxious and so uncomfortable yourself. And I've always thought like, I would love to be successful. 
I'm, I'm a driven person. I want to be successful in my chosen career. And I was always well aware that being miserable in a position was never going to make me a success. And even if mm -hmm. I was somehow, despite my miserableness, good at it, I was never going to feel like a success because I didn't want to be there. Right. And so that was kind of my guiding light. And that's what finally eventually brought me to quitting evangelism is that I was like, I need to stop and examine what is going to make me want to get out of bed for the rest of my life. And maybe not even the rest of my life, but just for, you know, the next phase. Because by the time I wrote the book and did the podcast and all that, I had already been a doctor and a lawyer and a multimedia designer and in a startup and all these things. And I was like, well, I have a great list of things I don't love doing. And I also know from those things what I did like doing. Because that's the other part of strategic quitting. Like, remark on what parts of the thing you're quitting that you did like. And then I had these data sets to move forward with. And I thought like, let's work with my strengths and what I'm passionate about and find a way to merge those. And that's when I, when I asked myself, like, what am I good at that I would like to share with others? Quitting is what came up because I thought it's undervalued. It's a thing that I happen to be naturally good at. And I would love to share that superpower with others. And yeah, so I, f I feel as though had I not quit, I just know where I would have been. I would have still been back in St. Louis, which is where I started working as a very, probably not even working as a multimedia designer because I was really so bad at it that I was fairly certain I was going, I mean, like the writing was on the wall when I quit, they had hired somebody younger than me over me. And like, I was like, okay, I, like, I'm not going to be a success here. And I have, you know, I feel like I have a success driven DNA that was never going to be fulfilled if I kept doing that. And so I just feel really fortunate that I realized at a, at a, at a young age that quitting was definitely the path to getting what you wanted and not something to be stigmatized. And I love that you think about it, not in terms of a failure. I mean, there, there's a lot of talk now that even failure is a necessary component of success, but you could have chosen to sort of dwell on the negative side of things and see things as a failure and have that end right there. But you completely turned it on its head. Its head and I think that that's so valuable for so many people who might be stuck in that place where they see quitting as being a failure. Yeah, I see quitting as being a preventative to failure because what would have been a failure in the multimedia world is if I had been fired, right? As if I had just hung around and waiting for the writing on the wall to get larger and larger. And then they would have hired another person over me and been like, Lynn Murray, you're doing like nothing at this point. So you're gone. That would have been failing multimedia. To me, there's a big difference between taking the empowered step of strategically quitting something at the stage where you know it's not working versus waiting to be told that you are failing at a thing. Well, I also think, you know, the other aspect of strategic quitting is having the courage to kind of help that have that self-reflection. You know, you mentioned, you know, you just didn't feel like that job was a good fit. You didn't feel like you were growing. Uh, but I think so many people, you know, whether they choose to or not, you know, courage is such a huge component of just acknowledging that, you know, you're having those feelings or you're not comfortable or you feel like you're in the wrong place, in the wrong job, in the wrong relationship, in the wrong location. Just having that, you know, awareness, that honesty with yourself to, you know, self-reflect. I always say it's that, you know, kind of self-evolution that people can kind of look inwardly and, and objectively look at themselves and say if something is or is not working. Yeah, absolutely. And you had asked a question, Robert, um, you guys had asked a question before about how my upbringing had mm -hmm. kind of like clashed with my desire to quit as if like, okay, being from the wrong side of the tracks. And, you know, that would make people like, oh, you've got a job, you should stay in the job. But 
for me, I was brought up in a family where my dad was miserable every day of his life because he didn't like what he was doing. And let's be honest, my, nope, they'll never hear this. My parents stayed together forever, still are. Um, I wouldn't say that that's something that they really enjoy. And so I saw a life of what staying in a thing does to you and it doesn't make you super fulfilled feeling and happy and so I had every example of like no 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 if you and even my dad would say like if you're not happy in something get out like you can't be miserable for life now he also when I went to leave multimedia and join medicine he's like now you've already wasted one degree essentially don't waste another like make sure you know what you're doing you know so there is still that there's plenty of old school mindset there but I didn't see it as wasting a degree. Like without my bachelor's degree in multimedia, I wouldn't have been able to go to med school. You have to get a bachelor's in something. Um, mm -hmm. But seeing what being stuck does to people is what made me, at least at a subconscious level, never want to be stuck. And so regardless of what side of the tracks it came from, I was, I just, I also, that I equated that, like, look at what being stuck gets you. It's not financially well off. <laughs> because again, you know, I mean, and my dad, I'm sure was good at his job enough. But like, if you don't love doing a thing, and he didn't, it was like an inherited family business, then to me, it was like, well, if you don't love it, clearly, you're not going to be successful at it. So that's what I saw from an early age. And I think that kind of spurned my, my quitting path. And I think that you give some good examples there with quitting related to a job. And that's kind of what comes to mind for me when I think of quitting. But you also talk a lot about quitting in different contexts, like quitting relationships or aspects of your job or physical activity or other things that just aren't working. Can you talk some more about quitting beyond just a job resignation? Absolutely. The same strategic quitting principles I just talked about apply to everything that's external like okay do you want to quit a hobby that isn't working for you i did the martial art of capoeira i trained capoeira for seven years i recently in the past year strategically quit capoeira and i've strategically quit cooking which is one of my favorite quits because it was causing me the most anxiety like in a day you have to feed yourself three times a day and three times a day i would kind of freak out about like what am i supposed to eat i would research all the ingredients and like i don't like cooking so it was just like angst filled and i didn't like grocery shopping and like at the end of the day i would just eat almost nothing because i hated doing it so much and i was not healthy because of that and i was like i need to hand this over this needs to be a thing i have quit and it was a huge benefit to my life i'm never going back um i have quit yoga memberships, realizing that it's more expensive. Like for me to be in this yoga membership and for it to be worth it, I have to go twice a week. But going twice a week was hard at the time. I was working, I think, three jobs. And so I was stressing out about getting to yoga. And I was like, wow, stressing about going to yoga so I can de-stress <laughs> is really counterproductive. So let me quit this membership and go to like a class card. That's such a small quit, but it made a big difference because think about our like to-do list. And, and these, and you know, I think every little item on your to-do list at some point can be uh, like a friction point. Like, okay, you haven't done this thing yet. You got to do this and you got to do this thing and this thing and this thing. Well, if I got to go to yoga and I got to cook and I got to do all these things were on my to-do list. And it's just was massive by the time I woke up in the morning. I was like, this is not how I want to live my life with all these shoulds. And like, I've got, I should go to yoga and I should be better at cooking. I just, you know, go through and kind of like Marie Kondo your to-do list and figure out what's a should on there that you don't that doesn't really bring value to your life and that causes more friction than it does benefit. And you can quit those things. And in addition to all those external quits, like I was talking about, quitting mindsets is huge. A lot of quits that you're going to make in relationship or work or other places require that you quit a mindset first, because if you've been staying in a job because society says that job is great, then maybe the first quit you have to make is quit caring what society thinks about your decisions. 
Oh, that's so important because I think that that's where people get stuck. They get stuck in worrying about what others are going to think because it isn't the norm. And I, I also see people get stuck when this fear comes up, this fear about quitting, fear about what am I going to do next? How will I be perceived? What do you say to people who have that fear as a, a stop sign? Yeah, the first part in overcoming your fears is figuring out what you are afraid of, right? You can't address something nebulous. And like you said, there are many different fears. If the fear is, I'm afraid of what other people are going to think, then we go right back to that thing I just talked about is you have to quit the mindset of caring what others think. But that's, again, a separate quit. The shortcut to that is I can talk you through the what are other people going to think because the answer is not much and not for very long. I mean, look <laughs> at our distraction-filled society, right? Like how long is anybody thinking about your decision, period? And they might think positively, negatively, or neutrally about it, that only one of those three is bad, right? And if at the end of the day somebody is actually thinking about you and it's actually negative, what impact does that have on your life? Unless that person is like paying your bills or living under a roof with you or like is writing you out of the will because they don't approve of it, the chances are what they think of you for that small amount of time is going to have no bearing on you as opposed to the fact that you are the one living that life and have to live it 24 seven. Like, so am I going to stay in a job 40 hours a week being miserable on the off chance that somebody who, you know, may or may not think negative about me for a few minutes has some thoughts. Those thoughts will never affect me, but being in that cubicle 40 hours a week will. So there's many different fears, but once you've addressed or figured out what it is that you're afraid of, there's plenty of logical kind of reasoning that can help you work through those fears. That's such an important distinction. I think that, you know, so often we get caught up in, in, you know, worrying so much about what other people's perceptions are of us, but really it's so irrelevant in the grand big scheme of things. I'd love to pivot a little bit and talk about self-care and how it is more than just massages and pedicures and things like that. It's about finding, you know, what you want and looking at the people and activities in your life to determine if they are supporting you. It's about what you love and doing the sometimes hard things to pursue that passion. Can you expand upon your view of self-care? Absolutely. So I think if you just generically type in self-care to Google, it's like, okay, massage or meditation or maybe get acupuncture or you hang out with some essential oils, all these things. <laughs> but, but I think when, when do most of us do that? I think most of us, like I at least know in my own situation, I don't remember to get a massage until I'm super sore or I'm super mm -hmm. stressed, right? And so generally that has come from a thing. So I don't reach for self-care until I need self-care. And a lot of us are not thinking about journaling or meditating or whatever until our stress level gets to the point that we need it, right? Self-care is going to do the best, the most amount of good for us if we can use it to go from neutral, not like in need of it, but okay, we're at baseline and then we meditate and then we journal. So then we're using it for like personal development to get to a higher level, you know, get closer to enlightenment or whatever you want to call it as opposed to continuously using it as like symptomatic relief because, oh, I've had a hard day, so I need to get a massage or, oh, my boyfriend and I had a fight, I, I need to go meditate to, to stop being upset about it. Strategic quitting is going to work to decrease whatever that stress is that makes you need self-care, need to use it as a symptomatic treatment so that you can use it for its initial or its original purpose, which is to bring you to a higher level. Like, do you want to journal just about how mad you are at your boss all day? Or do you want to journal about your like hopes and aspirations for the future? I think probably choice B, I mean, choice A will help you in the strategic quitting and is a definite part of it. But think about if you could just use massages to get you from like, all right, 
I'm feeling fine to like, hey, I'm defying my age because I'm taking such good care of my body as opposed to like, man, I've been sitting in this cubicle, crumpled over all day, you know, really constricted. And then I get a massage just to feel normal again. So those are the two different ways you can use self-care. And and if you use self-care in conjunction with strategic quitting, I see strategic quitting as the basis of all self-care because if you're using it as symptomatic relief for these stressors, quit as much of the stress as you can, then you can use it for its greater purpose. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi Optimizers. Masszymes is a full spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today risk free. They have a 365 day full money back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep. We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water. And you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. 
I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. Oh, that's so good. So Mm -hmm. good. And then, you know, along with that, you're talking about the stress and quitting things that bring you stress and doing self-care, not just to get out of stress, but to proactively prevent stress and get on the other side of it. So if we think about the health benefits of strategic quitting, I'm imagining that they must look pretty similar to the health benefits of reducing stress. Would you agree with that? 100%. Exactly the same. Yeah. So we're talking about like better sleep, more productivity, being kinder, better immune function, all those things. Yeah. I mean, as a physician, I can look at almost any non-musculoskeletal condition, like short of you broke a leg. Most things have a stress-related component, acid reflux, migraines, chronic insomnia, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, fibromyalgia, all these things. There's a massive stress component, Uh, high blood pressure, heart disease, all of those. Mm -hmm. I mean, diabetes, yes and no, but there's so many conditions that have a stress component that if you reduce that stress, there's, it's definitely a better first step than let's go straight to treating you with some medication because then you're just treating symptomatically. Again, strategic quitting. Yeah. Is it just going to get to the root cause of what's leading to that condition? Stop treating the symptoms. Strategic quitting is much more likely to be eradicating whatever it is at, at baseline so you don't have the symptoms anymore. So true. I always tell my clients that if they if they have a symptom, it's like having a piece of glass in their foot and they mm-hmm. can maybe take medication or maybe try this or that. And it can be like a Band-Aid on the glass, you know, or it can be some ointment on the glass. It'll make it feel better. But until they can get at what the root of the issue is and really remove that glass, then nothing's going to make their foot feel better magically. And so I really think that that's what you're saying strategic quitting does. It gets to the core of what's going on and causing that stress and can remove it for good. Yes, and I love that, that analogy, that. Kelly. That's a great one. And I think that's, you know, it, with our two of us, two out of three of us having backgrounds in Western medicine, that's absolutely, we've become a very pill-focused culture where, you know, like you said, you you give a pill that kind of masks the symptoms and then you're not really de- addressing the root cause. And so much of illness is related to inflammation and uh, lifestyle choices. And so I think strategic quitting is a really valuable tool for Uh, individuals to embrace and use in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Part of my own journey, I was taking beta blockers in fellowship because my heart Mm. rate was so high when I was in clinic. And finally, I was like, I don't have a heart problem. I have a don't like seeing patients every 13 minutes problem. Right, (laughs) right. You're like, it's stress. It's sympathetic overdrive. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this. We're, we've gained so much knowledge about quitting. And I think just putting that idea out there that not only is it okay, but it is beneficial to strategically quit. And we always like to ask our guests if they could leave us with two things for our listeners that our listeners could do every day to better support their health. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say for at least one of those, but please, if you'd share with us, that would be great. I'm, and I'm not just saying, I'm not, neither of those two are just going to be like, just quit a thing. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> what I would love for you to do is start spending some time 
in and everybody says this like in stillness or silence that's kind of rough for some people because if you are at a point where you have not done any personal development no self-work your head may be so full of kind of anxiety producing things that the idea of sitting there with your own thoughts for a while is kind of daunting so maybe just take a walk in nature so it's not just like sitting in silence, but you're getting out, you're getting some fresh air and you, you can get your creative thought juices flowing and start evaluating your life and start evaluating like, when am I really lit up during the week? And when am I really bummed out? And just noting that. And then the second step is when you suddenly, this is like a tuning into your intuition thing, because so many of us have lived in anxiety-ridden states for so long that it feels like the new normal, and we don't stop and realize mm-hmm. this is not normal. And that's how I was after 10 years of medical school and residency and fellowship. Anxiety was my new normal. Mm-hmm. We have to reset ourselves. And so then start looking at when were you feeling totally normal, and then suddenly you were feeling anxiety-ridden. And then to work it back, what happened between those things. And that's one of the things that helped me quit the startup because I realized, okay, I was fine five minutes ago and now I have a pit in the in my stomach. Where did that come from? Oh, I just got a call from the founder of the startup. Like that's what made me anxious because you don't, that's the first step in figuring out what you need to quit. If you're like, I know like everything is kind of crazy in my life and I'm feeling overwhelmed and I've got the kid thing and the job thing and the husband thing and uh, or the spouse thing, whatever is going on, you may feel anxiety but not know what's causing it and you don't want to quit the wrong things so like step one just get out there and start evaluating your life in a place of quasi stillness and step two is tune into your intuition and learn what it feels like to feel normal versus anxiety ridden so that when you become anxiety ridden or frustrated or irritated or insert other emotion then you can stop and realize hey this may be a spot that's worth examining for a potential strategic quit That's great. And I think if people just were able to do those two things on a regular basis, they would see massive shifts in their life. Yes, that is that is the hope. It's just we're not taught to sit around and examine our lives. It's not something you get in high school, grade school, college. Right. You get the hustle, hustle, hustle. And we're, you know, it's there's so much danger of us burning out if we hustle, hustle, hustle and never figure out exactly what we enjoy and don't enjoy. We just follow society's path. And I think luckily society's changing to realize that like, no, it's time that we lived in our, in our purpose and our passions, because that's the only way that this world is going to like ever level up is, Mm -hmm. is for us to not be just running around in the rat race all the time, but for us to feel fulfilled. Right. And I think it takes that kind of conscious shift back to your intuition, like you mentioned, to recognize that and to start changing that at a neurophysiological level in your brain. As we as we do that, then we're able to have that more parasympathetic response become the norm rather than this anxiety ridden stress response. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. We know our listeners are definitely going to want to hear more from you and to find out more about what you do. Could you please tell them where they can find you and what you offer? Absolutely. You can go to quittingbydesign.com where you can find my book, which is Quitting by Design. You can find my podcast there. It's called Quit Happens, which is also on all the pod places. And you can find my coaching. I do one-on-one coaching and I have an online coaching um, program as well called Make Quit Happen. Both of those run you not only through whatever quit you may be going through, but they teach the strategic quitting process along the way so that after your current quit, you can apply it to the rest of your life, every future thing that you would like to evaluate. And then on Facebook and Instagram, I'm quitting by design. I have a Facebook group called Quitopia for the proud strategic quitters where we can all support each other in our quits. 
And I have a YouTube channel called Quitting by Design where you can find um, the actual face-to-face versions of all my podcasts, uh, the videos of the interviews, and every week I do a quit of the week and on my Facebook, and I put those there as well. Well, thank you so much for jumping on with us this morning. I've learned so much, and I know that um, our listeners will as well. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this chat. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.